You're listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, episode 105. You're talking about putting your fuck parts in my head where my brain lives. You know, in nature, only a handful of creatures made for life. But isn't that, like, cheating? We can't do this 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Why not? The safety word is banana. It is so refreshing to be with someone who likes to fuck outside the box. This is the Touch of Flavor podcast. Dating and relationship advice by kinksters for kinksters. Join us as we tackle BDSM, sex, non-monogamy, and how to build extraordinary relationships in an ordinary world. And now your hosts, Cassie and Rigel. Okay, Cassie, so like... We're recording this part, right? And we're not doing our normal thing where we're sitting and facing each other. Yeah, I don't like the setup as much. Well, yeah, I know. We only do it when like we're, you know, we don't want to take the time to move stuff around. But we're side by side and we need to talk forward into the mics, Mm -hmm. right? So when it's my turn to talk, just like squeeze my cock and let me know it's my turn to talk. And then like Mm. when I want to talk, I want you to talk, I'll like squeeze your hand or something. And then, then you'll know without having to like face each other away from the mics. No, that's not going to work. Normally, I squeeze your cock when I don't want you to talk. Okay, then. Yeah, so I'd, I'd rather... Normally, when I'm playing with your penis, I would prefer not to have words. Like, I feel like that is bad reinforcement. We'll just that's do what hands. gags are for. We'll just do hands. Fine. So, what has been going on Oh, we've been doing a lot of work with our our clients. Yeah, there's been a lot of really awesome stuff that we've been doing. We actually launched a graduate program with our clients that has been really awesome. Yes. It's been a lot of fun. Because, you know, we have our, our program, which is really designed to get people from that place of, you know, having a lot of difficulty in their relationships to falling back in love again. And we wanted to do something more where folks can continue to thrive and grow and have a bit more community. And it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's been a lot. It's something we've been talking about putting together since before baby. So we're both super stoked to finally actually have it off the ground and have all the background work on that done. And we've been doing this month, because we're doing different, different themes on different months. This month, we're actually doing... COVID and polyamory. And that's been a lot of fun. That's been such an amazing topic to do. Anyways, speaking of COVID and polyamory, though, one thing we've been doing, I don't know if we've talked about this yet, is we created like a social distance movie theater. theater. (laughs) Yeah. So we can like have people and partners that like we're social distance from, but still hang out with come over and watch a movie and actually we have someone who's uh discussed actually coming over and like mutually playing like xbox but like yes. doing like a a byo c x c b bring your own xbox controller and beer yeah 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 so we went on amazon and we got like a cheap projector because let me tell you first off i have a site that i like to use when i'm like looking up reviews for things and I went on there and I looked up projectors and then I looked up what they were recommending and promptly turned around and went on Amazon to find something much cheaper because yeah I'm not like trying to set up like 
like a home theater. I'm just trying to get together with people outside. But yeah, so we got like a cheap projector off of Amazon and like a cheap screen. And we got one of our fire sticks that we have. And the teenager has a Bluetooth speaker that he has. And what we've been doing is like we have a couple like Walmart bug torches in the backyard. And like we've been setting it up and having people put their chairs social distance distance apart and getting together to watch movies. So that has actually been amazing COVID idea for folks, by the way, if it's something you have the resources to do, that has worked out surprisingly well. Yeah, it has been a blast. I've really liked it. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, definitely something to consider for your your COVID socializing. What else? I mean, it's been a few months of, you know, things being added, things being taken away and cut short. I don't know. Oh, God. Okay. So we had we had we had planned on at some point podcasting about this a little bit. And I guess it's probably long enough after to have this discussion now. Yeah. Yeah, it's long enough to talk about. So many jokes. I'm going to just keep doing it because that's how I handle it. Yeah. So uh. we had said, so I actually recently here actually had a vasectomy and I was talking about the experience with Cassie here a little while back and we we're like, you know, we should podcast on this at some point. And you may ask, why? Why would we want to podcast and talk about getting a vasectomy? And my answer is, as far as want to, I don't really, but... You know, I think that especially in the like poly kink spaces, a lot of people opt for that method of birth control. And like, I kind of really wish even with knowing a shit ton of people who have done that, like that I had had more info like about things and what to expect and stuff like that up front. Um, so we're not going to go too far into that. That is because that is not this. Hey, I don't want to do a whole podcast episode on <laughs> that, honestly. And B, you know, it's, it's not definitely not this podcast episode, but we figured we'd just take a few minutes on a host chat and actually talk about that and uh, and put some info out there. So I guess this is as good a time as any. So we haven't really planned or structured this, Cassie. How do you want to do this? Do you want to like interview me? I mean, I can interview you. Okay. This is weird. I'm used to being on the other side of this conversation, but right. go ahead. So let's dive in. All right. So, <laughs> uh, Rigel, um, you know, I hear you got a bisectomy. Mm -hmm. um, let's go back. You know, what made you sort of go with that decision? Why did you decide that form of birth control? Look, I can go right yeah. into podcasting interviews. Uh, so the little lion actually made me decide that form of birth control. Um Oh, a couple of things. I mean, so oh, you need to back that up because that sounds horrible. OK, no. Well, OK, I will back it up. I will back it up. You all know I love her to death. OK, so we had been talking about this before Little Lion was conceived uh, is what I mean. And it was something I'm putting off. And there's a couple of reasons, I guess, looking at that specifically. One is like you with your medical conditions were kind of limited on birth control options, especially more effective, less side effecty birth control options like IUDs and implants and stuff like that. And weren't looking to have any more babies. 
<laughs> so uh, that especially, so it was, it was already like a discussion. And then especially after having babies, it was like, for me personally, it's like, okay, yeah, like definitely the time. Um, and so that was the main reason. I mean, there was the side effect bonus of like, nice to have that extra security if I have any other partners as well. Um, but mainly just, like I said, just like effective, less side effecty method of birth control here, I guess, is the main reason. So when you were looking into, you know, going somewhere and finding a place, like who did you decide to go with and like why did you decide to go there? And can you tell me a little bit about the selection <laughs> process as far as your doctor or medical team, that sort of thing? Like you're, you're like prepping to go. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. So, well, first, I guess as far as deciding why a vasectomy, you know, it's so funny. And this is one of those things where I was saying, I don't think a lot of us, especially like, and maybe it's just me, but I doubt it's just me. Like, I think in the kink community, it's such like a common, and like I said, the poly community is such like a common thing for people to be like, oh, I had a vasectomy. To just be like, yeah, that's kind of like a good default form of birth control. So like the really funny thing is I didn't do a lot of research. And I'm sure we're going to talk about that more. As far as picking people, honestly, I got on health grades, I think, and looked for doctors who had done, a, who did a shit ton of vasectomies. And we'll double check what that is and we'll actually put it in the show notes. No, I'm, it, it's health grades. It's absolutely health grades. Well, I'm saying we'll put it in the show. We can put it in I'm the show being notes. an interviewer okay, here. Oh, I'm Let sorry. me be an interviewer, damn I'm it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let me do the interview. Okay, what else? And then as far as actually picking a doctor, uh, I just called them and asked who did a shit ton of vasectomies. So that was my selection process. Okay, so uh, you got the procedure done. Mm-hmm. How did that go? Or is there anything else before the procedure that you'd like yeah. to touch on? Yeah. So this this was a, honestly a place that I really, I wish I had. So like I said, right? So it's it's like, I feel like it's just such a common thing. And I think it's common for a lot of people to hear about it. And it's also common, like, you know, you go and talk to the doctor, just kind of like, yeah, we do this all the time. We don't really need to talk about anything. Like, let's get you scheduled. Um, and so I didn't do a shit ton of research, like, until like three days before having it done, which I'm sure everybody knows waiting until three days before medical procedure to do any research and then Googling is not great. And so, you know, one thing, if I had to say like one thing, I guess, to people, it would be do do research. Like I know it is super common. I know that doctors treat it as a super trivial procedure, but there is the potential for some serious long-term side effects. There is the potential for like some medical stuff that they're still trying to see if it's connected to getting a vasectomy or not connected to getting a vasectomy. And so for me, doing the research didn't cause me to decide not to, but it definitely would have been better to do that way in advance. And especially around, I mean, the, the single most likely side effect is like having some kind of chronic pain, right? And for some people that gets really severe and it can be really hard to treat. And it's a small percentage. It's a couple percent depending on like what you're looking at. But again, that's not something like at least me I had thought about. And it's not, certainly not something that I feel the statistics around that were relayed particularly well to me when I'd been talking to people. So 
So the lesson there being like, make sure you do your own research beforehand and do it yes uh, ahead of time. So that way you're not going into your procedure worried or stressed out about it. You are confident in the decisions that you're making. Is that what you're saying? It's going to be such a weird episode, like relationships and vasectomies. But yes, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. I'm trying to let you ask questions instead of just going on. I mean, I can sit back and let you go on. No, if I play with your penis, that means don't talk, remember? Uh, no, I thought it meant talk. No, I told you I'm going to squeeze your hand to talk. I'll hold your hand and talk to you. I will squeeze your cock and expect you to shut the fuck up. Anyway, back into interviewer mode here. So, okay. So that's good as far as like beforehand. So how did the procedure itself go? And is there anything that coming out of the procedure you wish you would have known or anything like that? Like anything as far as, you know, the actual procedure itself or like the uh, coming home? No, I mean, the procedure was like surprisingly little, like, I mean, surprisingly, like almost nothing in terms. I mean, I'm not going to say there wasn't any discomfort, but like almost surprisingly like zilch. The first, am I talking about recovery yet or no? I'm talking more like the the coming. No, not really. No, I mean, uh, I I asked Amanda to buy a couple bags of peas because those are apparently the best ice packs when you're icing your junk. And I hadn't done it ahead of time. I've actually had a few people tell me that that is not correct, that they recommend florets of broccoli or cauliflower. Oh, I don't know. That's what but, my doctor had said, yeah. and it worked pretty well. Fro- frozen vegetables. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, not really. I mean, it, it, the procedure really wasn't much, to be honest with you. Like I said, besides, I should have made sure I had ice packs ahead of time so I didn't have to have somebody scramble to get them and ibuprofen. Other than that, no. Okay. So as far as the recovery... And like the, you know, getting back into to life, how has that gone? So it's interesting in that, like, I guess the recovery has been both like less severe, but longer lasting than I would have expected, I guess. So like, I really expected to be in like a shit ton of pain afterwards because it looks when you look at your junk it looks like you're gonna be in a shit ton of pain and it it certainly wasn't comfortable especially to like move around but it certainly wasn't like debilitating pain for me anyways i'm sure that probably varies it has lasted longer to recover though so like i'm at about maybe six weeks now um and i still have some soreness and like i'm at the point where it's mainly like it, like something's got to aggravate it, like maybe like vigorous activity or vigorous sex or people forgetting and grabbing your junk. But I've done that one time. One time. You think only. you've done it one time. Once. I have rubbed your balls and caressed them nicely. Yeah, but it doesn't feel nicely right now. Okay, That's the but point it doesn't that matter. I'm making. You said grab. I've only grabbed your junk once. We'll have to agree to disagree on what feels like grabbing right now. But um, yeah, so so no. So I guess I guess as far as recovery, I guess a couple of things. Um, number one, so like my doctor told me I could have sex after a week. That worked fine. Super vigorous sex can definitely like re-aggravate things. Um, nothing's really felt any different in terms of um, the first few times I had a little pain like after having, like after orgasming, but that actually kind of stopped. I haven't noticed that. I guess the only real thing as far as recovery, like, 
if I had to do things again differently. So, you know, there, there's like the, the, the one that they do with the scalpel and the one that they do that's scalpelless where they don't have to use sutures or like minimally invasive, like whether it's a scalpel or not, where they don't have to use sutures. And like when I went with my guy, my guy was like old school and he's like, no, we use a scalpel. And I was like, eh, you know, whatever. And his explanation is you got to make an incision and incisions and incision, whether you poke it or cut it or whatever. And I was like, eh, screw it. Like he's really good at what he'd do. I'd rather have the guy who's really good than, you know, than somebody else who's maybe not as experienced, but does this newer method. What I will say is if I did it again, I would definitely try and find somebody who does a minimally invasive one. And not for the reasons that you think. Um, it's because for me, after the first like week, the most irritating part of the whole thing for like the next month was actually the stitches. Like they're in your pants, like, you know, like they catch on your underwear, they're catching on your clothes, you know? So, so anytime like you move or you go on a walk, like the stitches are like catching and tugging and, and then they're, um, you know, they're dissolvable stitches, right? Which means that they work by your body having an allergic reaction to them. So then they're like inflamed and uncomfortable. And so I would definitely, if I was doing it again, go with the kind that does not require the sutures, because that honestly, in a lot of ways was the most, I don't say the most painful because I've definitely had moments of like pain, like doing things that are painful, but the most continuously uncomfortable part after like the first week was those stitches. Well, thanks for sharing. Anything else you want to add? Nope. Like I said, I, I mean, really, if I had to say one thing about it, I'd say just, I know it's something that you probably have a lot of friends who have done. And you go to your doctor and talk about it, there's a really good chance they're just gonna be like, yeah, I do 10 of these a day. But I would make sure you actually do your research. And chances are, depending on why you're thinking about getting a vasectomy, chances are you may do your research and decide, hey, like, this is this is definitely still worth the risks involved. But I do think it's it's important to actually have an idea of what those are instead of just kind of being like, eh, everybody does it. Cause that's kind of what I had done, like I said, up until the last minute. And I would not go about it that way again. Anything else, Cassie? Are you done talking about my balls on the podcast? I mean, I didn't really talk about them. You did. Are you done asking questions about my balls on the podcast? I mean, I don't think there's any other questions to ask, is there? So I guess without further ado, now that we're done talking about my balls, let's talk about why people fall out of love in relationships. Hello, hello, everybody. How are you doing tonight? And so we're going to hop in. We're going to answer the age-old question of why do we fall out of love? So why do you think we fall out of love? So Cassie, why don't you take it away? I kind of want to start with a story before we get too, too far into the topic. And this will come become more relevant to everybody as, as we get a little further into the topic. But when I was very young. I was about nine or 10 years old. My dad took me out to a magic show. And when we went, there was a magician. And to be fair, this guy isn't actually that good, but I was nine or 10 years old. So like I didn't understand tricks. So we went out and the guy pulled me up on stage and he handed me a card and said, put this in your pocket, pick any card you want, stick it in your pocket. During the whole presentation, I put the card in my pocket, et cetera, et cetera. And he went and did a whole bunch of talking and things like that. And then later on, he said, guess what? That card, I've been, I've been feeling it. 
it's the ace of hearts. And I'm like, wow, how did that dude know that the card that's in my pocket is the ace of hearts? And I pulled it out and it was still there and boom, there was my ace of hearts. So I'm going to come back to this, but I want you to think about that for a minute. That idea of something being there the whole time. And how did this guy know how to get there? How did this guy know what it was? It's magic. But not, but it is, but it is. But we'll talk about that. So here's the thing. When we're talking to folks about what the challenges are they're facing in their relationship, why their relationships, especially when we're talking to people who they say that their relationships are close to ending, there's all kinds of things that people talk about as far as the symptoms. We can't argue all the time. We we can't ever come to resolutions on our conversations. We're just not on the same page. Or we're not on the same team or we want different things or I'm feeling jealous or I don't trust them anymore. There's a million different things. But the real thing at the root of a lot of this has to do with this this idea that they're falling out of love. They're falling out of connection. That spark is missing. One question that I ask people sometimes that's really revealing, and you can go ahead and kind of think about this for yourself and see where you get. But a lot of times I'll ask people, if you had to rate how in love you are with your partner on a scale of one to 10, where 10 is as great as it's ever been, it's that NRE, it's that we're rocking that phase or we're fucking all the time. We're having sex all the time <laughs> in very socially acceptable ways. And we're all the little touches and sending cute texts throughout the day. And we're having great conversations. Like one's that NRE best it's ever, or tens that NRE best it's ever been. And one is, and this is the trick, not we hate each other, but one is I don't, I don't, I don't really feel loved. I feel more like a roommate than I do a partner. I'm just curious, something you can think to yourself, what the answer to that question is for you, and I think a lot of times we get more honest answers if our partner's not in front of us when we're coming up with the answer to that question, but people are worried about, and they are, falling out of love, and that is one of the biggest reasons that people come to us and say, hey, my relationship is not where I want it to be. So you want to take a minute and talk about sort of the signs that we're, we're falling out of love, and these are the things to look out for. So maybe it is your partner's always on your nerves. When you think about your partner, they're on your nerves all the time. Maybe you're bored. You're just absolutely bored with this person and don't want to spend any time with them or you want to spend time with them, but it's not really enjoyable. You try to avoid your partner or you don't feel like you respect them. Or maybe it's just that every conversation is one of those conversations where you feel like you're argumentative. Yeah. You know, we hear people describe it as, like I said, like the spark is gone, the NRE is gone. I think the two things that I probably hear the most, though, when I'm talking to people is we really either either we're just being at this point, like we're just being, we're just here, or we really at this point, we feel more like roommates than we do partners. And, and the thing to understand, oh, you missed one that you had in here that you said being touched, being touched by them makes you feel yucky. yucky. You didn't say that one. Yeah. <laughs> so the thing to understand is that these are just the signs, though. These aren't the reasons. They're the symptoms, not the cause. So we're going to give you the real reason why you wind up falling out of love. Yeah. So there's a lot of false beliefs around why we fall out of love. And it's things like we're not a right fit or we're incompatible. 
Like we just, we just don't mesh or we aren't having enough sex or we aren't doing this or we aren't doing that. Or one that we hear all the time that just drives me crazy is, well, we've been together for a long time and this is just what happens. We, we just get to a place where we're just not connected because we've been together for a long time. Yeah. I want to point out the obvious problem with this to people. When somebody says to you, we're not in love. You know, there's no passion here anymore. There's no connection. But I mean, we've been together five or six years and that's just how it is. There's really two problems there. One is, well, if that's, if that's your point of view, if you have just that fatalistic, well, this is what happens, then that's what's going to happen. Like if your belief is that you have no control over this, then you don't have any control over it because you'll never take any steps to change that. And your relationship will just stay in that spot of really at the end of the day, you know, if you're in this place where you're out of love, this place that you didn't sign up for, none of us go into a relationship and, and see Cassie and like we see her across the room and go, man, you're beautiful. Someday I'm totally going to get to a point where we're just living in the same house together. <laughs> none of us sign up for that. At least I hope not. So A, it's that, but B, I was talking to somebody a little while back on one of these calls, one of, one of the breakthrough calls that we do where we're kind of diving into relationship problems with people. And I won't use names, obviously. And what they were telling me is basically like, well, we're, we're, we're out of love. We don't have the passion. We don't have the connection. We've got a bunch of kids. Everything's just work. Everything's hard. None of it's enjoyable. And we really haven't felt this passion, this connection, this being partners in years. I said, I'm okay. What are you going to do about it? And they said, well, we're going to go find new partners. Okay, so again, who can see the problem with this? And it's pretty clear. The problem here is that if you don't have the skill or what it takes, and we're going to go into the secret of this in just a minute, to keep that connection alive in a relationship or to get that connection back, well, that's going to be a problem not just in this relationship. That's going to be a problem in every relationship because that's a skill I don't have. So that means that, okay, so, you know, it's been three, four years. This is getting old. It's getting stale. And I don't have the, the ability to get that connection back. Okay, so I go out and I date somebody new, okay? And that's pretty awesome for a bit. That NRE's there. We're having some fun. We're doing our thing. Everything's amazing and sparkles and rainbows and unicorns. And we're going out to, on dates and the, the physical passion is there and it's amazing. Okay, so in another two, three years when the connection starts fading in this relationship and we start falling out of love, what happens? I still don't know how to do that. So I go... On to the next person. And, and you get to that point where this is a choice. Either you figure this out or you just go through a stream of partners anytime one relationship starts getting a little stale and that feeling of love isn't quite where you want it to be anymore. Yeah, and for most people, that's not really what we're looking for, right? But there is a little bit of truth to that, which is the funny part of this. <laughs> yeah. So here's the thing that I want everyone to recognize, and that is that... The reason why we fall out of love is because we're designed to. So it's not this, this magical thing, this, this far out reasons. It is because, well, we're made to do that. So, and you probably have been sitting here the whole time, like nodding in agreement and being like, yeah. And then now you're probably like, Cassie, whoa, wait, hold on. Stop looking at your partner funny. Stop looking at me funny. We all fall out of love. And what I mean by this is love is more of a feeling than it is anything else. And the idea of this is we all fall in and out of love in our relationships. And what that is, it's the connection in our relationships. We all have a bad day. We all have a moment where we don't feel in love. And I'm making little air quotes here. 
we have moments where we don't feel in love with our partner. And that's normal. But the problem is when it's not a quick thing. It's not something that shifts from one to the other. We have moments. I have a rough day. I don't feel in love now, but I feel in love most of the time. The thing to understand about this is when we're talking about love, what we describe as being in love, to a certain extent, that's a feeling. And none of our feelings are steady. You know, if you take a look at your life and you just look at your emotional state and where you're at throughout the day and what you're feeling here versus what you're feeling an hour later or five minutes from now or six hours from now or the next day, it varies dramatically. So the thing to understand with this, we talk about love a lot of time as a meta skill, this idea of staying connected as a meta skill. We did another another episode a while back where we talked about connection and talked about it kind of a big part of that is the sum total of us getting our needs met, of the ability to keep things fresh, of not arguing all the time, because if we're arguing all the time, we don't feel very connected, of, of all these things, right? And it's kind of a meta skill, that, that skill of staying in love. But that feeling, that shifts. And that's something that we have to understand and be prepared for. We have to understand that none of our feelings are stable. And that feeling of being in love moment to moment is included in that. Yeah. And I like to give the example that this is like saying, I am a happy person or I am happy. Maybe you're happy most of the time, but there's probably times that you're not happy. And I want to go back to when I first talked about that magic trick. And this is what we see in successful relationships. This is what we see with our clients. It's not that they don't ever have that moment where they're not in love at the very, very moment. It's that they're able to bounce back. So thinking back to that card trick that I was talking about in the beginning where he put the, the my, my ace of hearts in my jacket. The thing was, is the gentleman came by and he patted me on the shoulder. He pulled out the card. He glanced at it. He stuck it back in. But for me, it happened so fast that I had my ace of hearts the whole time. It happened so quick that I feel like I'm in love the whole time. So what distinguishes, and here's the thing, even, even when your relationship to kind of spin this around, even when your relationship is in the worst spot possible, you're still going to have moments of feeling in love. So what you need to understand about this feeling and what makes us feel in love more so in a relationship than not is it's the ratio. How many of these moments together do you feel in love versus not? Or in some cases, do you feel in love versus just feel shitty and awful? So the thing is, we think that this feeling of love is static and it's binary. It's about movement. And you can even take this idea, and, and sometimes it kind of clashes with the way that we like to think about relationships, but it can become a little clearer for people sometimes when you take this kind of out of the relationship zone and or the, the romantic relationship zone at least and talk about the other relationships that we have in life. Yeah, it's about understanding the levels that you have with somebody. So say, for instance, I go to work and maybe I don't get along with somebody for a minute. And then we have a moment and we're able to reconnect. I'll, I'll give an example. Like our partner went into work. She has a coworker. They have a moment where they're not able to get through something. The next day she comes back and it's fine. And what we're talking about is we're talking about that connection that we have with people. And what that means is that we have enough trust. We have enough confidence. We have enough experience. We have faith 
in that person that we're able to kind of jar that connection for a little while. We're able to be like, hey, I think you screwed up. Hey, I didn't like the thing that you did. And for us to be able to resume still having that relationship. So talking about a working relationship, you might have a coworker who says to you, hey, you did a really crap job on that thing. Can you redo it? And then you still resume your working relationship, hopefully. Just like with any other relationship, whether it be a business relationship, a working relationship, or a relationship with your kids, we have this feeling of connection and we are constantly building connection. We're jarring it or we're breaking it. And what those things are is this. Building it is we have good interactions. We spend time together. We have fun together. We're building connection. Jarring it might be like, I really hate it when you leave the spoons around the kitchen and it drives me crazy and you really got on my nerves with it. I'm picking on you. So Such a things never happened. <laughs> so that or we might argued. Be a, hmm? Or I woke up on the wrong side of the bed today and we were snarky. Yep. Or we had a discussion that we couldn't get to a good resolution on. These things are all jarring. Uh, the, the jarring of this feeling of connection. And the thing to understand it, and what I think we're trying to wrap this around to is that the, the, this, this is all a normal cycle. We're never going to be in love every moment. But what makes us overall feel loved in a relationship, feel connected in a relationship, and really at the end of the day keeps a relationship healthy is about how often we're keeping ourselves in that connection. And to put it another way, the ratio of those positive interactions that we're having with those negative interactions. One thing that we, we talk with our clients about is this idea of the magic ratio. And this is something, I think it's uh, from Gottman's research in observing healthy couples where and this can apply to groups too, folks, doesn't matter, <laughs> but that you need a ratio recognizing that there are negative interactions and positive interactions in every relationship every day and that where we're getting in terms of how our satisfaction is in that relationship, how healthy that relationship is, how in love we feel day to day determines the ratio. The idea is that you should be looking at five positive interactions for every one negative interaction that you have. And I want you to think about that for a minute because it's easy to gloss that over. But five positive interactions for every one negative interaction, I want you to kind of ask yourself, especially if you're in a spot where you recognize that you don't feel as in love, as connected day to day as you want, what does your ratio look like? Is it anywhere close to that? Is it maybe swung in the other direction? Because it's never about, the thing that you need to understand is this, this is short-term and long-term. The short-term is this day-to-day. -day. We have these good interactions, we don't. And then you look at how this trends. Because if on the whole we're trending and taking some of the other stuff out, like we talk about, our needs are being met in this relationship, we're not feeling horribly incompatible, and these other kind of baseline things that we need, well then as long as we have more days where we have more positive interactions than negative, that relationship and that feeling of being in love trends up. And so long as we're having more of those days where there's more negative interactions and positive, well, our relationship gradually starts trending downward and downward until honestly, we can get in that cycle where we're having so many negative interactions that it's hard to break out of that at all. Yeah. So it's, it's not about us never feeling like we're falling out of love. Like we in our relationships go through major changes and those things can affect us in negative ways. Like we can have things that happen that 
can make us feel like we're not connected. But it doesn't have to be things that tear you apart, right? It really does come down to that. How fast do you and your partner recover? Like, is it something where these are things that because there's always these negative interactions that it takes forever to recover? And it's also about how long the damage kind of continues. Is it something that is all the time or is this a small thing? Yeah. And what you want to avoid is, like I said, that staying out of love, that trending downward, that getting to that negative point. And that's what we we, we teach like our clients, for example, every day. The, the falling in love is easy. The difficult part is remaining in a spot where you're feeling that regularly, where you're regularly feeling that connection. And really, to put it another way, to be in a spot where you've been in this relationship seven years and you're still in love. That connection is still an eight, nine, 10 out of 10. You're not feeling like a roommate, which is uh, honestly a, uh, such a weak goal. I shouldn't even have said it. But you're up here, even after these years, that going forward, you have the ability to maintain that. Because that really is the benefit of understanding how this works versus having that belief of, oh, this is just what happens. People just fall out of love. It's inevitable. This, that, and the other. That benefit is, is that, again, love is, is a meta skill. This feeling of connection and passion and being in love day to day is a meta skill. It requires us to have certain ducks in a row in our relationships, and it requires us to have a certain skill set. That skill set of keeping that connection alive, that skill set of making sure that we're having more of those positive interactions than negative, that skill set of even when that day is rough, of making sure that we're having those positive interactions with our partner, that skill set of even knowing what those positive interactions look like. But once you understand that this is a skill, you get out of this trap of once you've been in a relationship for a few years and things have gone south, the only answer to that is to accept that that's how it is. And again, being in a relationship that you didn't sign up for and just be there, or to go out and just let that languish until you find something else shiny, until that languishes, and then you move on. You can keep that love, that passion, that connection alive in your relationship. We talk sometimes about this concept that you can have that NRE in your relationship, not just when you first get together. With the right skill set and the right effort, <laughs> certainly, that's something that you can bring back. And let's be honest, that is where we all want to be. That is what we all signed up for. Like I said, when it was two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, and you had just met your partner, and you two were on that, maybe it's your first date, or maybe like us, your first date was weird, you're on your second date, I don't know, and the sparks are flying, and they're the most important person, and everything is right in the world, that's something that you can get back and you should get back and that you deserve. Because again, that is what we all sign up for when we go to these relationships and we should not be in a place when you understand that this is a skill, you don't have to settle for less than that. Yeah. And you know, it can be really scary. And I want to, I want to acknowledge that it can feel really scary if you're in a place where you have felt like you have been out of love, but the truth is you can regain it over and over again. And that's what you want to be able to do. You want to be able to regain the love in your in your relationship and be able to keep having it up, come back. But if you're at a point where you're questioning if your partner is still in love with you, if you can be with your partner, if maybe the, the problems in your relationship have gotten to a point where 
the problems are so big that you can't do that bounce back, that you can't do that getting back on the same page, that reconnection. If you feel like the true sense of connection in your relationship has been lost, this is a time to reach out and do something about it. Again, do all of us have these moments? Yes. But if it is more than just these moments, if it is more than I had a bad day today and it's really just today, if it's every day or if it's constant, that's a time to reach out. If you're recognizing that the two of you are staying out of love, that's a time to reach out. Or the four of you, or the five of you, or whatever. You know, or however many of you. Yeah, yeah. That is a time to reach out. And we always recommend that if that's where you're at, book a call. Here's the thing. We'll get on. We'll talk to you for about an hour. And we'll talk to you about what's going on. And we'll point you in the right direction, regardless of what that looks like. But here, and I just want to stress this to people, listen, if you're here and you're listening to this and you're like, this is a topic that really interests me. Maybe this isn't where I want it to be and you're not quite ready to book a call yet, whatever the case may be, I really recommend that you go back and you listen to the the other lesson that we did on where did the spark go? And we can post a link because it, it really is this whole conglomeration of skills. When I was saying it was a meta skill, this is a really important concept to understand because as important as this is, as, as important as this idea is of having more of these positive interactions than negative, And that is, I mean, really, that is one of the most important concepts here, that magic ratio. There's certain other things that have to be in line in our relationships before we can feel in love. We can be having positive interactions all day long, but if I feel like our relationship is doomed, if I have a bunch of needs that I'm not getting met on a regular basis, I mean, this kind of goes back to the doom thing, but you know, if I'm just feeling hopeless about our relationship, I'm worried that you're going to walk out the door. If I feel like we're having these these positive interactions, but I don't feel like we're on the same team or we're having these positive interactions, but, and and we see this a little more commonly, like we want such different things that I'm wondering if, if even morally it makes sense for us to be together. Something else we see a lot of is we're having good positive interactions, but the big problems or the things that we really need to resolve are still in the background and we can't actually have a conversation about them. We're just kind of pushing it aside because it's Mm. a choice between having these good interactions or trying to face the the problems that are in the background. Yeah, we're having these good interactions. We're having most of our interactions are good, but that's because we're burying all this stuff that's eating away at us inside and we're not talking about it. Or even just I'm in a lot of pain because I feel jealous or I feel resentful or like I said before, I'm not getting my needs met. Like we interact really well, but that's because I'm stuffing the pain down and dealing with it myself. These things all get in the way of us feeling that love and connection as well. So I really suggest to you that again, if you're not ready to, to take that step and, and reach out for help, that you go and you listen to that, that uh, where did the spark go? Because we, we talk a little bit more about the broad view of what we mean by a meta skill and how that looks and what are some of the other things, the other ducks that you need to get in a row so that you can feel that sense of love and connection. And like Cassie said, if you if you are ready to reach out for help, we're definitely here and definitely willing to help you. This is, this is what we do every day, okay? So it has been amazing talking to you folks. As always, we hope you are staying safe and somewhat entertained with the pandemic. We were just talking to our clients. It's still important to have date nights, even if you're quarantined. Make sure you're getting that in. Figure out some ideas right? Figure out some ways to make that fun and novel, but make sure you're making it happen. And we will talk to you folks here again soon. 
for listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, where we're building relationships outside of the box. Got a question about kink, power exchange, or open relationships that you've been holding on to for years? This is the place to ask it. Submit your question at atouchofflavor.com slash ask, or leave us a voicemail at 833-ASK-TOF1. 